I think the hard thing at the time, which I think is a lot easier now, is that I was looking to get into a sports data role. There weren't that many around. That was where I wanted to sort of head towards. A big credit to who you know, Jonathan Robertson from Deakin. Uh, he was the, the head of the sports practicum unit, so absolutely hounded him. It's about who you know, but realistically I just forced my way in the door and eventually yeah. John and I just had to do but, something for me. I think he was just sick of me coming into his office, to be <laughs> honest. I was going in there a fair bit being like, you know, there's, there's, I just can't seem to find these data roles. There's, yeah. you know, it's, it's an area that you know I've been encouraged to sort of go into and have a lot of deep interest with. But I believe it was one of his former roommates was the the person that uh, I got locked in with, um, a guy at the Sports Tech World Series, and basically started my sport practicum from there. Get it, guys. Coming up on the show today is Justin Harmon. Justin is the Senior Account Manager at Green Room Digital, a sports marketing agency based in Melbourne. In the past, Justin has worked across sports technology and events at Sports Tech World Series in startup land with the accelerator program called the Startup Bootcamp and in combination of both worlds in multiple roles at the Australian Sports Technology Network. Now at Green Room Digital, he helps major brands activate their sports sponsorships in sports like cricket, NRL, AFL, where he focuses on assisting them get a return on investment for the millions they invest into sport. Justin is a great friend of the show and a terrific operator and one I'm guaranteed you'll learn a lot from. So let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the Frenchman, Ruben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia back in the day. And each week we learn how people made it in sports and we tease out their career decisions, decisions, their work habits, their skills and everything that they do that makes them great. Also that you can learn how to get into the industry, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Now, Rubes, how are you, my friend? Bonjour, monsieur. Je suis très bien. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as far as my French goes. I don't know if that made any sense. Someone who is actually French might be able to correct me. But uh, I am situated in France right now. I, um, I'm in, an, in a little town just outside of Grenoble, which some people might recall as the place where Cadell Evans claimed victory in the 2011 Tour de France. Uh, some people might remember the uh, penultimate stage. He uh, he uh, came second in that famous time trial to peg a minute back over Andy Schleck and um, and uh, create history Schleck. for Australia. So I'm getting big Cadell vibes just just walking yeah. around the streets at the moment. It's um it's a lovely part of the world. It's very quiet and peaceful. A lot of my trips kind of been um, pretty hectic and full on, bouncing around, moving from place to place. But this is like the first time in a while where I'm just in one spot for seven yeah. or eight days there's it's not like london where there's stuff to do every single day like i can just kind of stay put do some work go for a run go for a walk one of the um perks of the location we're in right now at the moment is there is a castle next door like <laughs> if i go out the door behind me and to the backyard i can see a castle less than 200 meters away so mm. um yeah, getting uh, getting some good French energy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, castles are very French. I like that. 
yeah. and I'm sure you you would have wished you brought the uh, the two wheeler. Could have uh, could have brought some Cadell Evans vibes uh, to the trip, but big time. You can't take a bike overseas for that long, can you? No, probably not for what we're doing. But um, funnily yeah. enough, like we we don't have a car. We're just using public transport to get around, which is great mm. if you're staying in a city. But if you're staying in a more remote town, if things become a bit more difficult, so yeah. getting to our location was a headache, which I won't bore people with the details of. But we're basically like. <laughs> stranded a little out of town and our only way of getting to the supermarket or going to see things is on this like mountain bike with a flat tire so if oh, we want no. food <laughs> we've got to ride four kilometers there's no down uber eats hill. out there no uber eats fill up the backpack nah. and then ride four kilometers back up the hill so we're kind yeah. of just like meditating on a mountaintop with a castle in the background at the moment <laughs> nice well, i'm sure uh, i'm sure chloe's stoked at the situation Sounds uh, <laughs> excellent, <laughs> and uh, it's it's my kind all, of all vibe. She can't wait to get to a beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I was going with that one. Uh, no, very good, mate. Very good. Um, I like you about your walk to the castle each uh, each morning. So uh, great work. Um, for those who don't already follow us on LinkedIn, if you want to connect with us and over five hundred and fifty others working in the sports industry become a member of the SportsGrad community today. And speaking of the community, there's been a bunch of wins as of late, but there's one in particular we want to speak about today. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it combines two of our favorite people. One of them, Yash, pure hot hit, pure hit, who um, has been an intern with SportsGrad for a little while now doing some content work for us. And uh, he has landed a job at Sports Where I Am, who uh, work out of the same building as us and uh, a former sponsor of the show. We absolutely love their platform and what they do. If you're a sports fan and you want to know what sport is happening in the cities around the world that you're traveling to, then if you just go to Sports Where I Am, you can um, find out what's happening there. They're not a sponsor of the show anymore, but I'm giving them a plug anyway because we love their work. We're happy to plug them. We love it. Absolutely. Um, but Yash has just got a job with Sports Where I Am, working with his customer service team, helping people travel and enjoy sports. So well done to you, Yash. He's someone who's been trying his heart out for a long, long time to get a, his break into the industry. And uh, now we still get to see him in the same building, which is wonderful for us. So well done to you, yeah. Yash. There's not too many more deserving people than yourself um, who have got a foot in the door. So well done to you. And I'm sure sports where I am are going to absolutely love you. Uh, in terms of what else is happening in the community, we've got a whole bunch of events coming up as per usual. The big one though is the Sydney meetup coming up on the 4th of August. We've got a, a couple of our favorites appearing on the panel for this one. Mm. Firstly, we've got Dan Morris, who is an account manager at Gemba Group, who funnily enough got his job at the Sydney meetup, not directly from was the Sydney meetup. Was it the last he... Sydney meetup? Yeah, I was like, yeah, Maybe the one before could, could have been, could have been the November. Yeah. No, because we had one at the start of the year down there. Yeah, so it November like, twenty twenty two. Yeah, November twenty two. Dan meets Claire Hunter Stewart. They get talking. Stewart Hunter. A, <laughs> Stewart Hunter. My bad. Um, um, they, uh, you know. Job comes up and uh, and Dan nails it because of his previous relationship. Claire already knows a bit about him and his interesting questions that he posed at the meetup. So that is the power of these events. You can literally, you know, 
create a job for yourself through them. So Dan is now on the panel. It's a full circle moment for him, which is yeah. fantastic. And then Katie, who has been to at least three or four of these in Sydney as well, uh, she's now working commercial partnerships at uh, the Manly Sea Eagles in the NRL. So uh, two very able guests who are people going to learn a lot from um, and a chance for us to expose some of the the newer, more younger people in Sydney who are coming through and, and hear from them more directly. So if you want to get along to that, 4th of August, uh, members, 50% off. If you check out Discord, uh, you'll be able to find a code to that. Otherwise, uh, a couple of other events coming up in Discord as well is uh, we have our fortnightly job fairs and speed networking. So if you're new to the community, you can jump on a speed networking call and meet 10 people in less than an hour without having to leave your home or having to send a single cold message. And that can spark some further conversations from there. The other one is our job fairs. If you want to know exactly how people hire, so organizations in sport hire, what jobs are out there, what they look for, what they want to see in your resume, what interview questions are going to ask you, anything else about jobs at a particular organization, these happen uh, every fortnight. In the past, we've done them with the T20 World Cup, the FIFA Women's World Cup. We had Unisport Australia on recently. So, um, yeah, plenty to look forward to in the community. Mm. But if you uh, want to stay up to date with everything that's going on and you'd enjoy a quick email from us where we share some stories about how people got their jobs in sport, it takes about five minutes to read. Uh, to get that every single Friday, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And there is also a link in our show notes to join. Brilliant, mate. Uh, meet up, get your ticket. If you're listening in and thinking about it, grab your tickets. Always a great night up in Sydney. And it's on a Friday night for the first time in Sydney. So Friday night drinks for the sports industry in Sydney. It's going to be an absolute cracker this Friday. In the meantime, grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Justin Harmon. Everybody wants to study at one of the top unis in the world for sport. And at Deakin, you can do just that. So don't miss your chance to see what sets them apart at their campus open days this August. Check out the state-of-the-art facilities, hear from their world-class academics, meet with current students and experience the campus vibe that they're famous for. Join thousands of the brightest students who have already registered to attend this unmissable event. Search Deakin Open Day and take your first step towards achieving your ultimate career. The Geelong Open Day is on the 20th of August, 9am to 3pm. And of course, Burwood Open Day is the 27th of August at 9am to 3pm. So check it out now and start your career in sport. Justin. Welcome back to the Sports Grab podcast. Thank you, mate. It's great to be back, Rubes, virtually as well through a screen that I can see but you cannot see. Justin, great to see you again. I think last time you were on the podcast, you were flying around the world running international events. Now you're bunking down in Melbourne in agency land. How are you enjoying the, the change of uh, workflow? Yeah, it's definitely different. I, I won't lie that it, you know, I miss the frequent flyer points that I could probably earn. Uh, but yeah, what we're doing, I think, is yeah, really exciting, and it's a it's a different sort of area. It takes a bit of what I used to do, but it's yeah, it's fun to be in this sort of this world. It's obviously very different, and yeah, really enjoying it. Nice, mate. Now th- this is this is the second time you've been on the podcast. We're saying before, I think it's episode forty three, and, and Ruse will be able to fact that, fact check that for us. 
Um, but last time was a little bit different. So this one, we're going to get to know a little bit more about you. And part of how we do that on the pod is our quick questions at the start, as sure. I'm sure you'd be aware of being an avid listener. Uh, so we've got some quick questions here for you before we, we jump into the real stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll learn a little bit about you straight away. So the first one is what was your first ever job? My first ever job was working at McDonald's for, I think I worked for four weeks and got offered a better position at a local IGA and took that instead because they refused to acknowledge my uni hours at the time. So worked nice. at Macca's for, got through, literally I think I got the certificate for the four weeks of, you know, you've completed training and then yeah. I resigned straight after that. So fully qualified, but never nice. actually ended up doing the job. <laughs> well done. Well, I, I know the answer to this next question because I was there with you, but what did you study at university? Yes, I studied business sport management at Deakin with a major in business analytics. So yeah, focusing on that, that commerce side, a lot of the data stuff that's becoming more and more prevalent was trying to get on the, I guess, the start of that, the precipice. This is one of our favourite questions, and that is what's your favourite sporting moment? Pretty spoiled as a Brisbane Lions fan, I would say Alistair Lynch kicking into my seat in the 03 grand final. Yeah, I was behind the goals for that one. Still trying to, I guess, I still lean back on that because we haven't had that much success since. So it's uh, that's still probably top for me. Had he recovered from his boxing match with, was it Shane Wakelin? That oh, afternoon? yeah, the, uh, the 04 one. Was that 04? Sorry. Yeah, no, that was 04. Yeah, I, I tried to repress that day, to be honest, yeah. because it was uh, well, actually a, a fun story about that was I was at that game too. And the main thing I remember is when we were leaving, obviously Port had, had beaten us and two guys at the front of the stadium were punching on that were both Port supporters. So taking one wow. of the best days in club history and taking it out on each other, <laughs> which was quite interesting. But um, You wouldn't have picked that. No, but then again, I think Port has a bit of a reputation. I think it was just Ooh. showing through <laughs> in the early 2000s. Oh, dear. Here we go. Yep. Fair. You should have uh, just taken the ball and, and run away with it like that bloke who caught the ball from Lance Franklin's 1,000th goal. He didn't get that ball back until a week later after they had to put it out to the news requesting he return. I feel like I feel like at that time the AFL probably only had about three match balls. Yeah. They weren't carrying around. They like weren't in the esky. No, they weren't in the esky. So if I did take that, they probably would have held up the grand final for about 20 minutes. Would have yeah. really had my, I guess, 15 <laughs> minutes of fame of the game ball. They have to go search for another one downstairs <laughs> underground. And and the game balls are they're not cheap. They're about a hundred and fifty bucks a pop from Rebel Sport these days. And I remember uh, one of our other podcast guests, Brian Taylor, he came down and coached a session of my football training one night. And the very first thing he said was, "Look after the balls. These are little mini nuggets of gold. Yeah. They're about hundred and fifty <laughs> bucks, and they cost the club a lot of money. So look after them." Yeah. So yeah. the AFL was probably in a similar position to the Lawn Football Club. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, probably in 03, probably the same level of sophistication, yeah. let's be yeah. honest. But, yeah, things I think have come a bit further than that. So. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, Justin, do you have a favourite interview question that you like to ask of candidates? Oh, geez. I think it's it, – oh, I think it probably goes along the lines of, you know, why do you – it's a very basic question, but why do you want to work in this industry or what really ties you into, I guess, sport? Well, primarily I've worked in sport, but if it is a, a sport job is, you know, what is the, the mm. passionate thing about sport that you really want to get involved in from a, a business sense? Love it. Uh, a book or a, a podcast that's helped you at work that you'd, you'd recommend? I'd say actually my, my previous employer, Sports Tech World Series, the, the Sports Tech Feed podcast is a really good podcast that sort of covers across a lot of different areas within, I guess, the sports tech space, but which is sort of that forward thinking thing. I think especially if you're a, a grad 
or someone who's quite fresh into the industry, it's an opportunity to sort of come into some of these older businesses that, you know, are trying to mm. get these new thinking ideas. There's a few on there um, from some really sort of leading minds and those new sort of areas around sports tech and stuff like that. Nice, Matt. And are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs? I am not. I'm not associated with grassroots sporting clubs at the moment. I, I did. I've come from Bayswater out east here in Melbourne, uh, but yeah, well, since I moved into Richmond, I haven't exactly been as, as tied in with the. I mean, I'm right near the Richmond Junior Footy Oval. Don't mind going past there on a, a Sunday with a coffee, but I'm not directly involved. No. Not thinking about running down and chucking the boots on for the Harriers or something. Oh, mate, I think it, it's a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. To be honest, uh, I've played. I played one season of junior football, won a premiership, and that was it. Yeah, so, go out on a high. Yeah, I don't think I want to go back there. Nice, mate. Uh, last question, 30 minutes to pick somebody's brain. Who would that be? 30 minutes. Jeez. It's, there's a lot of different people. I think primarily being a big basketball fan would be Michael Jordan. It's that winning mentality. I would have said, honestly, probably Kobe Bryant as well. There's, yeah, a lot of the way that guy is wired, which is, I think, mm. and probably very different to a lot of the way a lot of us are. But having yeah. just that real focus in on something like the way that he was with basketball and I guess from a business sense now as well. Nice. Awesome, mate. Well, um, let's dive into your career and then we'll chat a bit about Green Room and, and what they're up to. But um, if I go way back to 2017, I recall seeing you in the halls of Deakin. We were probably, you know, two of the few mature, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say mature age students, but no, you know, we weren't straight out of high school. Um, but we crossed over in a few assignments and, and different classes and whatnot. But um, since then, can you explain how did you get your first job out of university and then where did that lead your career next? Yeah, probably have to credit, a big credit to who you know, Jonathan Robertson from Deakin. Great friend of the show. Great friend of the show. Uh, Rube would know from yeah when we were there, uh, he was the, the head of the sports practicum unit, so absolutely hounded him. Uh, and that's why I guess he, he does like me now because he, he has to remember me from how many times that I spoke to him. But, yeah, from from him, uh, yeah, got in touch with um, a guy at the Sports Tech World Series and basically started my sport practicum from there. So I think the hard thing at the time, which I think is a lot easier now, is that I was looking to get into a sports data role. There weren't that many around. That was where I wanted to sort of head towards. But... Yeah, I got sort of lucky in terms of working with, um, at the time it was Sports Analytics World Series, now Sports Tech World Series, but gave me an insight into a lot of different uh, people that are working within that space as well. Yeah. So, yeah, Jono was the, the catalyst. It was one of the people, I believe, John will have to correct this post-podcast, post but I believe it was one of his former roommates was the, the person that uh, I got locked in with. And then from there, yeah, spent a, a decent amount of time and wasn't too long before I was travelling around the world uh, doing the conferences, which was great. That's a that's a classic case of uh, a network coming together, right? Well, the thing is, yeah, I think the catalyst for that is that I I didn't know John before I was at uni, so that's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I got into the it's it's about who you know, but realistically, I just forced my way in the door, and eventually, yeah. John, I just had to do something for me. I think he was just sick of me coming into his office. To be honest, <laughs> I was going in there a fair bit, being like, you know, there's, there's I just can't seem to find these data roles. There's yeah. you know, it's it's an area that you know I've been encouraged to sort of go into and have a lot of deep interest with but there wasn't uh, that many opportunities at the time, which I know there is now. There's a ton more, which is really exciting. I was, I was going to say, like, data roles are just everywhere now. Yep. Like, we, we get sent data roles nonstop. I feel yep. like that's an area that if you if you want a job in Swallow, that is a, that's a 
an ideal area right now because there's jobs galore. So, yeah, yeah Rubes and I are just a bit and it was, before and it was all down to the all down to the academics roommate. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's kind of what I was alluding to. That the roommate was the catalyst to how this all happened. Yeah, so. exactly. So yeah, so I went through that, and yeah, obviously, yeah, worked for Sports Tech World Series for. Uh, I think about two and a half years was really lucky there as well, where I sort of got to broaden my horizons beyond just working on the conferences. Um, the, I guess the pandemic was part of that, but was working with uh, Ollie Howard and Sport and sorry Startup Bootcamp around sort of mentoring startups and helping sort of run those accelerated programs, yeah. and then also uh, the Australian Sports Technologies Network, so just helping sort of continue to cultivate that sports technology and sports data ecosystem, which is now thriving in Cremorne. Funnily enough, where we are, couple of streets away. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of that uh, being on the I guess the, the ground level of, of building that up from yeah where it was. Nice. Um, so now you're at Green Room. Um, we know River Bradley, great man. He yeah, runs Bradley a tight ship over there. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about Green Room. What sort of agency is it? Um, and, and what are some of the projects that you guys are working on at the moment? Yeah, sure. So Green Room Digital, very much a, a digital agency that has a, a sort of key focus in sports sponsorship. What we sort of aim to do, we, we work on both sides from brands and rights holders. So we're dealing with yeah, either national sporting organisations or, or clubs such as NRL clubs. Uh, we're helping to uh, digitally commercialise all their assets from a digital perspective, having sort of a, a better valuation for those while also, I guess, helping them execute that with the actual brands themselves to drive return on investment. And then from our brand side, we're, we're helping taking those, those sponsorships that they're doing with the rights holders and again, utilising the assets, getting the most value for them that's actually able to prove how well sponsorship works. So... We're, we're working on both sides of that as an agency, often working with other agencies um, around us that are yeah. sort of providing different areas. And then from there, yeah, trying to try and grow the, the digital sort of sophistication of those, the businesses either on the right sort of side or the brand side. Just on that, like how would you work with another agency? Because from the outside looking in, it, it would seem that you guys compete against each other, but how do you guys work collaboratively on on a partnership yeah totally there's there's a, a few different ones that i could probably quote but the where we're looking at it is we we focus a lot on that ability of um, helping manage their databases being able to sort of house that data and segment that data and enrich it is something that we really look at there's a variation of different agencies that you can work with from even just a basic creative standpoint that leads into a lot of your brand stuff there's also sort of your awareness assets that are also something that we do play in but also can share with another agency as well. Where we try and really focus on is uh, engaging and nurturing the data that you've currently, that, or that you are capturing or you have already captured and being able to better understand how much value you can actually draw from that for either if you're on the brand side, being able mm. to direct that towards a relevant product or on the rights holder side, being able to tailor the right communications there, having a good fan experience, but then also tailoring it in with whichever uh, partners are going to be most relevant for them. Yeah. When you when you talk about like data and assets, like pretend I know, I sure. know nothing about what sure. an asset is in a sporting landscape. Yep. Tell us like what are some assets that say an NSO might have yep. and what are, what are those data points that they're capturing? Yeah, sure. So with assets, we traditionally look at from a digital standpoint, you've got your sort of Google ads that run, there's about four to six, and I'm, I'm not a key ad server <laughs> for our team, but from that side, there's, yeah, there's some key assets that they 
can utilise on the club website from a right title perspective. And then there's also sort of key email ones, such as what we call a Solus, which is a 100% share of voice email that that sponsor then has the full command of the email. And then there's EDM tiles as well, which are often put alongside partner content, sorry, team content that can promote either, yeah, something that is going on from their side. Where we normally try and assist brands as much as we can is utilising those assets to be able to capture first party data. Uh, that's a key thing that when we look at sponsorship, we often see a lot of either scattergun approach, you promote something out to an entire database, doesn't matter what the segment is that you, you haven't actually chosen a segment. What you've done is you've yeah. just gone, we've got these assets. We know that we've got this affinity with this club or this NSO. Let's send this out. We'll get some bites. It'll be great. That can be done so much better. And that's what we're trying to sort of fix and be, sort of in, increase in terms of how well that can work and having it properly segmented or yeah. leading towards the ability of capturing first party data to then cultivate and nurture yourself besides from just being part of the rights holder. And is there anything particular that you see sports organisations missing? Like, is there is there a common low hanging fruit that when you come in, you're like, okay, this is something that, you know, we, we can quickly fix? It's hard because I think across the board, teams and, and leagues and stuff like that really sit at all ends of the spectrum of digital sophistication. Some, But some clubs that you might think are quite, you know, upfront and, you know, mm. quite successful from a digital standpoint, they may not be as sophisticated as you think. So I think it, it goes across different levels where people I'd say were from what I've seen aren't sort of capturing as much is that sort of nurturing piece. So having that ability to know who, who is within your database that may be most relevant for, to a partner, how are you actually providing that value to the partner so that you are both sharing in, I guess, getting the most out of that that contact. So yeah, there's, there's often a, a piece where sort of what I'm talking about, where there's a lot of sending things out to a broad audience that isn't actually targeted to what is most relevant, like what what's relevant for them. Yeah, nice. Do you kind of partnerships really is all just about the data, isn't it? Like, like there's the creative side and whatnot, but you want to be using the data that you do have to the best of your ability because, like you said, you don't just want to scatter gun. Yeah, yeah, feel? yeah. Partnerships, I think they they serve multiple multiple things. There's there's definitely the awareness piece that some some partners will have where there will mm. be very much a case of, especially when you're looking at things that aren't as much of a product-based partner, where yeah. it's like, where we need the awareness. What we really live off is the affinity. People buy our products regardless. Then you've got other, other partners that will be more to the like of, we have particular products that we know should sit re relevant to people within this um, this fan database and we want to be able to access them and be able to yeah. to convert them towards our products. And there's a huge opportunity as well for particular products in particular sectors where if you are the, I guess, recommended uh, brand for that particular thing and you're, you're accessing those fans, they are going to be tied to, hey, so for example, Brisbane as a Brisbane fan myself, Yui car insurance is on the jumper. If I'm going to look at car insurance, I'm always going to consider Yui as a, a top choice mm. for me because they support my team. Now that's happening with, across a lot of areas. So, say for instance, Great Southern Bank and Carlton that we work with, um, high sense in the NRL from a technology standpoint. A lot of these brands are, are building that affinity with the club and making yeah. it as the preferred choice for for their fans. Yeah, no, awesome. It's good insight. Um, 
Justin, I've had a quick look at your, your website and you guys are heavy on the, the tangible results, the ROI for, for um, rights holders and brands. Um, do you have any specific examples that you can share with us? If they're under non-disclosure agreements, that's totally fine. I'm just wondering if, you know, if there are any results you can share. I don't know if I can I can give you exact figures, but we have seen some really strong results out of uh, campaigns that we've run recently where if it has a really tailored journey that we're, we're taking them through from promoting, a say, a competition per se, from that to actually getting the survey insights to go, this is what they where they currently sit. From that, we're able to tailor that product suggestion on a thanks for entering email and something like that. We have seen a significant amount of revenue be driven through that. I can't give you the example because I don't have that sign. <laughs> but uh, it was excess of a few million dollars off a campaign that I couldn't tell you the agency cost. <laughs> but I pretty confidently say that they made a fairly good amount of, of revenue off that that was, was driven purely um, yeah, through that campaign. Amazing. We'll, we'll take that offline and, and dig a little deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can ask me about me when the cameras are off. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, talk to us about a, a typical day in your in your working life. What, what, is it, what does it look like? What have you been up to today? Yeah, today was probably a bit different than most, to be honest. I was saying to Ryan, I've actually been in Cremorne in a, another meeting this morning, but traditionally I'm sort of head down in the, in the work. But traditionally my main clients are Hisense, Marsh, TaylorMade, Golf and Toyo Tires. They're my sort of main clients that I work across and then I also support on a couple of others as well. But it's it's usually what's the next upcoming thing, what's the next project that we're working on depending on what client. We've just had something go live for State of Origin over the past couple of days with Hisense. It's making sure that's all running smoothly. We've got all of our assets lined up with, say, the rights holder in this instance being the NRL with Hisense, making sure all of that's set up correctly. We're tracking everything correctly so we can report on that at the end of the campaign. And then it's also looking at what are the sort of other things that we're helping from a digital sophistication standpoint. So with Toyo, it's working with them on their request a quote tool and how are we best utilising that data from a marketing standpoint if people are opting in and, say, from someone like... Taylor made we've been working with them for a long time it's upcoming competitions and campaigns and ways that we can actually enrich their data further and then we're also working on some sort of database cleanup stuff which has been probably a big thing that I've been working on and a big thing I'm quite passionate about is often data is very disparate it's very especially when you've worked on something for a while with a with a particular client it's often a little bit fragmented so just doing that complete refresh to get everything into a nice clean state uh, is something that I'm working on at the moment which can be boring for some staring into spreadsheets I personally love it uh, (laughs) but some people I know don't love that stuff river would probably be one of those people but yeah working on that sort of stuff is uh sort of taking up my time at the moment nice might need to have a chat with you offline no, about we, this we need to get you into uh oh yeah as, as ryan was saying we, we need to chat with you because we've, we've had data come in from three or four different membership platforms those who have been around the community for a long time will recall the the kajabi days as um <laughs> as our good friend Sheka Shridhar likes to refer to <laughs> before we moved to Circle, before we moved to Discord. We've also had like three different email sending platforms. So there's there's data everywhere at the moment. We've tried our best to condense it as best we can, but um, I'm sure we can get better at it. All right. So you want another offline conversation? Yeah. We'll talk about that one as well. Well, what I was going <laughs> to say as well with that offline conversation is, do you get any benefits with TaylorMade? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be fantastic to explore offline as yeah, well yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually not a huge golfer person I think I think it's the 
I think it's yeah, it's interesting. I'm probably one of the least golf forward people. I, I love I love working with the tailor made guys. I yeah. think it's it's really really fun work, but it's just so interesting because I'll ask the dumbest questions about when they have like <laughs> particular data points. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, and I'll ask someone else on the team and be like, Yeah, it's it's this. It's a very golf common term, and I'm like, Great. Yeah. Like, yep. I really should know this. No, it's it's <laughs> fair enough. It, yeah. It, it's not. Not common knowledge to everybody. Well, I think I think it's also the case of don't put someone that loves it a bit too much, otherwise they just won't focus I, on other work. I think that's a good a good point. Yeah. I reckon if I was working with Taylor Mate, I'd just be talking golf the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Probably, probably wouldn't get much done. Yeah. Um, do you like day in the life of you? Do you have a lot of meetings? Because like from from my you know experience in this sort of partnership space, a lot of time in, in meetings and talking to people, and you know only another portion of time actually sort of doing the work like is that sort of how your days are, are set up as well yeah they can be it depends on what the the client is but often we find ourselves we're either yeah, working directly with the client or we are being involved from and sort of handling it from both sides of the rights holder and the the brand so we're yeah. getting involved in that conversation making sure everything's on track and we're able to deliver exactly what they need that's often something that we do get sort of dragged into a bit, but it's always very much a case of how do we take as much work off both sides' hands because that's what we're there to do. Yeah, There's often so many things on both sides that are taking up so much time, especially these partnership roles. They're often, in terms of their teams, they're not that big. They're being asked to do a lot of work. How do we sort yeah. of alleviate that? And the best way to do that is to be on as many of those meetings to help figure out, okay, cool, how do we problem solve this? How do we make this easier for you? So you're able to mm. sort of get through everything that you need to do and feel like you've at least passed off enough that is actually being reported back to you in a way that you, know, you need it to be. Yeah. Awesome. What about um, Justin for uh, for interns at Green Room? We, uh, we're aware of Sparsh Sodia, who's currently working at room and we believe is doing a, a great job what tell us about the internship program because it sounds pretty wide-ranging for what we've here what's what's it like yeah our, our intern program yeah sparse just finished up with his yesterday i was just saying to, to ryan i was gonna say it's gonna date the podcast on the day but yeah, yeah sparse's last day was yesterday but yeah sparse is great i think the the big thing for for us is that because we're an agency and we work in the sports space and we work with such a wide multitude, especially on the rights holder side of either NRL clubs as well as some NSOs. There's a real breadth of work that we can offer someone in terms of different exposure to different things. So I think on the rights holder side especially, there's that ability to sort of see how, I guess, the, the sausage is made in terms of from a digital partnership. Someone comes in, okay, they've got this allocation. They'll work with someone on the team on how do we build this into a schedule? How do we obviously actually implement that as well from a, an advertising perspective and then also report on that as well and getting them involved as well in those meetings so it's it's getting you know to speak with all the different people from different rights holders as well and then on the brand side it's sort of either assisting in what we're currently building out in terms of campaigns it's very campaign driven in what we do with with brands with a bit of that digital sophistication mm. stuff around databases but yeah, getting them involved in yeah the, the different multitude of meetings that we're having, especially with someone like Hisense, which is a, a massive brand, there's always different opportunities coming up. So just sort of getting their brain thinking about what is something that, you know, is quite groundbreaking that we can, you know, execute with someone who has that ability to, to really make that impact. Yeah. Now, hearing about um, that kind of internship, it, it makes me think back. Like, I, I reckon doing an internship with an agency talking digital and doing that kind of work 
Like I reckon I would have benefited so much from doing that before I was at CA because before that, like I didn't really have any exposure to how that operates, how it works. Yeah. So I reckon if you if you're listening and, and want to get into that digital space, like doing that kind of internship would be amazing because you just get that background knowledge. Imagine being a you know a partnerships coordinator or someone coming in with that knowledge that like you yeah, would massive. get from doing that internship so yeah. um now it sounds brilliant and how how often are you bringing interns on is it sort of like a a, f- a frequent kind of thing yeah. a few times a year or yeah it's fairly frequent i'd say probably two to three times a year we look to really bring a few people in we're usually doing it through different channels as well obviously through sports grade as well when those opportunities come yeah. up i know that we've got a few still running at the moment and then we'll look i believe to have a couple more on later in the year but yeah keeping locked across the I guess the discord especially from a sports group perspective for when those are coming up but yeah like you said I think there's a, a massive breadth of information I mean me coming into it was extremely wet behind the ears as well when I came in from from my old job there's a it's a lot to learn but if yeah if you came in on the ground level and had that sort of experience as a you know a grad there's a real opportunity there to sort of get your head around especially from a commercial sport perspective yeah. how things really work so I think that's it's a really valuable um, opportunity yeah fantastic well justin you guys are right at the forefront of uh digital trends i was wondering if you could share a bit about you know what sort of things are happening out in in the industry that uh, people should be aware of yeah sure i think a big thing is and i don't want to keep bringing up COVID because we're sick of talking about it but (laughs) from a digital perspective there probably couldn't have been a bigger bump in terms of the way that it's i guess grown there's been almost want to say it's a good thing almost <laughs> i'm not going to be the one on the podcast <laughs> telling it was a good thing but from a digital perspective it really worked the i guess industry up because it became a thing of okay cool digital was often seen as sort of the steak knives of partnership deals we'll give you so and so amount in digital no one really knew how to fulfill it like it just became a thing of like oh, okay we'll yeah we'll be able to do it across this and across this and then when COVID happened, a lot of make goods were happening off the back of COVID mm. where, okay, we can't do this at stadium activation where we had this budget. All right, we'll just push that to digital. But it's not as simple as pushing it to digital because you need to be able to, you don't need to know what allocations you have, how much do you, like, you can't really over-index too much. You're going to have to deliver as much as you can. So what we saw with that was that the focus of digital really became something of, it wasn't just the, the throw-in at the end. It became actually a really crucial part of uh, partnerships because it's it's a really sort of valuable thing to have and I think from that it sort of eeks into the I guess sort of change of mindset where even from a digital perspective awareness hasn't been as much of at the forefront as as engagement and creating yeah. something that is engaging to a fan is not just putting your your brand logo out there we're moving from I guess the at stadium activations being a key sort of thing that's going to be able to to drive your partnership to more digital-led campaigns where you're coming off the back of it with valuable data around people who are interested in your products or, mm. you know, can be a, are aware, I guess, of the affiliation of your brand with the rights holder. So we're seeing that change where it was a lot more of the handshake deals, yeah, we'll partner with you, we'll, we'll do this, this and this, and what the actual measurable outcome at the end is not that clear. Whereas from a digital pathway, the ROI is much easier to track because it is all digital. We can see where it's coming from. We can see where it's going. And you're able to, I guess, attribute that on a much, I guess, clearer level. 
Amazing. And um, you, you mentioned first-party data earlier. For those who aren't aware of that or even, you know, what zero-party is or third-party cookies, those sort of things, can you explain um, those sort of terms and um, why things like third-party cookies uh, are starting to be phased out? Yeah, third-party cookies, I've, we had some events uh, earlier this year where I was sort of the town cry going around and there's some brands out there that have also had me come in on the doom and gloom of third-party cookies are being phased out. <laughs> Google's been quite strong on that. So we're looking at, uh, yeah, the, the runaway shortens every day in terms of I believe it's about mid next year that we're looking at them being phased out. What that means is from, I guess, a digital perspective is the targeting, especially for brands that are quite strong in retargeting and sort of personalised ads and stuff like that, a lot of that is going to actually go away. You're going to have to refigure out how if someone comes to your website and you're chucking your cookie on them to know that they've been there and they've clicked on this product and you're targeting them away from your owned channel, that's going to be a lot more difficult and there's going to be a period where that's not actually going to be a viable option anymore. But a a thing that you can do instead of that and something that we really encourage is that first-party data collection. So the case is first-party data is something that people have willingly given to you and, yes, we opt in to do this. And then from there, you're actually tailoring the communication to them because you know who they are. You're not trying to target them across multi-channels where, uh, yeah, where you're looking at it and going, okay, cool, they've came to me. I'm just going to slam them with as many ads as I can across whatever channel. But when someone comes to you and you've given them something to sort of buy into and sign up for, you're having that ability then to go, okay, cool, we know they know us, we know them. And we're able to then provide a bit more of a personalised journey that is likely to create not just, I guess, the the sales numbers and the I guess the success measurements will be different. It won't be as much on the financial bottom line, but you're tailoring a better marketing experience for people because you're not just slamming them with and having those thoughts of, is my phone listening to me? Why yeah. am I still get like, why am I getting all these ads about a particular thing? A lot of that stuff will start to be cleaned up and be a bit more personalised for brands that you do know and you do actually interact with rather than just seeing on a whim and then seeing it constantly throughout a, another period of time. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm not just going to repetitively see the the future golf uh, ad on my all my socials? Mate, it depends on whether or not you've signed up for something. I've already bought the product. Yeah. The, 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 it just keeps coming at me. So hopefully, I mean, I love future golf, but I, I don't need the ad anymore. Look, Put me in touch with the people of Future Gold. Yeah. You <laughs> try and get you on a different strategy. But, yeah, I, th- I think what it is is... And Justin has, Yeah, sorry, Ruben, yeah. I was just going to say, has that come about because people were getting too concerned about how smart these tech companies are becoming? Look, it was meant to happen earlier, but Google pushed it out further because they weren't ready. And what that has actually been as well is that the industry hasn't been ready for this to be shut off. But it is a case of are we bombarding people with too much non-personalised content and actually, you know, harassing people where it's people you don't know. Like you're just doing it for a case of exposure's got to equal results Mm. when it's not exactly the best way to approach it. It should be a case of engaging them and having someone and taking them on, you know, a journey that they want to go on to go, yeah, this is, I actually want to get this product or... If you're in banking and you're looking at purchasing a home, you've entered something uh, that you're interested in from a bank, in particular a bank, 
and they're taking you on a, a sort of nurture journey of, hey, here's some informative articles about like what you should be doing to save for your first home. And then you're getting to the end of that journey of like, okay, cool, I think I'm ready now. And your top of mind consideration is them because you've provided them a personalized experience. So moving more towards owning that data and nurturing that within your own way and having yep. sort of clearer channels than trying to just sort of throw it as everywhere that you can. Send them home line ads saying, take on out, take on out, take on out. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, well, chatting a little bit before we jumped on around how you work with rights holders, um, can you chat to us a little bit about how you're helping them be more sophisticated yep. digitally across the board? Yeah, a big thing that we're sort of getting out there at the moment is Green Room Connect, which is just really looking at from a broader perspective, not just your marketing channels, but your tech stack in general and how best are you utilising what you're currently, I guess, considering part of your tech stack. So that's coming from the likes of a CRM or a data warehouse or a CDP. There's a lot of different, all these different acronyms and stuff like that that different rights holders have either brought in or are thinking about bringing in, but it's helping sort of be that guiding light of, okay, cool, how are you on this sort of digital sophistication journey? Where are you currently sitting? And then helping sort of provide as much insight and suggestion around how you can actually optimise what you're doing with these different tech products mm -hmm. to actually get the best result for yourself and your partners from a commercial standpoint. So we're looking at sort of a, a thing called a pulse check at the moment with a lot of rights holders where... We're going through that where we're sending out a questionnaire to, to the people that are sort of managing these areas and going, what have, what have you sort of, what's your current situation across these different points? And we're able to then attribute that to sort of a traffic light system of, are you sitting in red, which is, you know, staying on the, the lower end to an amber to a green? And how do we sort of move as many of those reds to ambers and how much can we move those ambers to greens? And just sort of providing as many, I guess, consulting in terms of how can we best help you from that sense, as well as what are the optimizations that we might be able to help execute with your team, be able to work with your team to optimize so that then they're able to actually do um, a better job from a commercial standpoint. And for, for those people who have never heard of a tech stack or have no idea like what a sporting team would actually use to run their digital operation, do you, can you share some examples of what sort of platforms teams and leagues are using at the moment or what sort of platforms they're, they're shifting to as well? Yeah, sure. So I think a big thing is at the moment a, a sports club would be dealing with all different sorts of data that's coming through from probably their e-commerce platform for their their online store. There's the yeah, so there's the e-commerce store, there's ticketing from a relevant ticketing provider, there's membership, which is probably coming through another channel as well. These are just the, the data points that are coming in from a money standpoint. Then you've got, say, any of your other things that are going on from a marketing perspective with partners and how you're actually housing that, whether it's a, a data warehouse or if it's a CRM or if it's a what we also have, like a CDP, which is like a centralised data platform. Those sort of things and how they sort of interact with when you have something like that, there's a place where it's all housed, then there's a way that you can actually, I guess, broadcast that data to the relevant people so they actually are able to access it and be able to, say from a sales perspective, if there's people that are indicating that, hey, we're a prospect, they could be a prospect for this, how are we best utilising that? And then there's just broader communication mm -hmm. as well. So if you've got everyone centralised in one spot, how are we best actually marketing that? Are we just using a, a CRM to send emails? Are we using a different dedicated platform? Is that all under one particular tech stack, which is a particular brand, or is that sort of pickpocketed from a lot of different ones that are sort of just coming together yeah. to build that 
that tech stack. So you, um, so this is probably two parts to this. One, do you see a lot of people just completely changing the technology that they're using or just getting better at using it? And the second part is, does that, does that essentially mean you have to be an expert in using all of these different systems? It's a, it, I'll get to the second one. The first one I would say is uh, what we often see in the market is that people are, are often trending towards going under a, a one particular provider that is going to give you the full suite. Yeah. Whether that is the most optimal option for people and it's often a very long process. So often even in that midway point of if you're looking to get there, there's probably a lot of optimizations you can do with what you've got at the moment that you could probably mm. utilize and get some quick wins off before you have to have that you can still aim towards that nirvana of a, a single provider that's you know ticking all the boxes for you, but there's probably a few little wins as well that just even use what you're using now and understanding how you can best use it is another another opportunity. And then, sorry, what was your second part again? Because I think do, I just tried to. Put do you it have away. to? Do you essentially have to be an expert in all these different systems to essentially? Yeah teach them how to best use it or to know that it is the best system for them? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's not just me. Uh, it's part <laughs> of the team from a lot of our side. I think it's it's a case of we, what we do is we look at what people have got and then from there, a lot of them do work the same. They come from the same principles, but it's a case of some will do this, some won't do this, some of them will bleed into, okay, cool, you realise you're actually using, like what you're saying with sort of your own like membership stuff, there may be stuff that one provider is actually already able to do but you've brought in something else to do that yeah for a sole purpose yeah so how do we we need to figure out is that sole purpose does it actually need to be by itself or can it actually be part of something that you're already utilizing we just need to get better at using that platform yeah with that part so, yeah nice yeah there's a there's a lot of different areas i would i would say that when we're looking around like i said a lot of them do behave the same there is slight tweaks of where some do things better than others and that probably leads back to as well from a rights holder's perspective, how, what, what, what are they looking to get out of it as well? What is their current objective? Are they looking to grow their database? Are they looking to yeah. enrich, just enrich what they've currently got? Is it a case of their partners want more lead generation? They want to be able to, I guess, know more about the data and be served, being able to serve things to your database. Like, are you in that position? There's a lot of different areas of where that can sort of be. I guess, tailored to what system's actually going to be best for you. Yeah. And just on that, Justin, you mentioned you're having a lot of meetings with rights holders and sponsors out there. Are you having meetings with tech platforms as well so that they can share with you, here's our platform, please share it with your partners so they can use us? Totally. We're having a lot of those meetings as we sort of continue with this Green Room Connect thing and figure out what are some of these better ones that we're, we're seeing around and they're coming to us. For that and yeah our i guess one of our jobs is to look at those and go like cool how is that how would that work for a particular rights holder and then from there i guess yes suggesting that we're applicable but from yeah from that i'd say we we deal with a few fair few different platforms out there that are like i said they're not all serving the same thing what they do is they serve better objectives in different ways in terms of some are better at doing this than others yeah you're in a pretty like sorry. And, and is there a particular platform? Is there a particular platform that's recently come to market that you're like super impressed by, or absolutely love the functionality of it that you are currently pushing to 
a lot of people. I'm not going to give anyone a free plug on the podcast. <laughs> I'd say I'd say they can reach out if they if they want. There's a few that we're dealing with. Uh, yeah, it just really depends on. I wouldn't say one's better than another at this stage, just purely because, like I said, objectives for different people. Yeah. I don't want to give someone tell everyone to go to one if it's uh, not the best one for them. Yeah, I was going to say, do you get? Sure thing. And this is just how agency might work. But if you refer one, do you get? A kickback of that potentially? Is that? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Some for River. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Head of commercial River. That's that's. He'll, he'll figure that one out. Yeah, exactly right. I was going to say that was a counter on how many times I mentioned River in this podcast. Yeah, I reckon we're at five-ish. I reckon. <laughs> I put I put the margin at one point five. Yeah. Yeah. He, okay. We can't. He's, he's going to be chuffed. Yeah. So. He he's done for the for the day on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was going to say as well, like you're in a pretty cool position where, like you just said, you essentially have to look at some technology and see how it would work for a potential rights holder. And you can only really do that if you know all the ins and outs of how all these different organisations work. Like that would be a pretty cool position to be able to see how all these different organisations do X, Y and Z. Mm. You'd have a bank of knowledge now that you can go forward in your career with. Well, there's that, I think, and also just in terms of Greener and themselves, they've had over 10 years in the industry. Some of the stuff we're suggesting now was probably still on the table five years ago, but people, Mm. as the market sort of evolved, all that stuff is starting to come to light again, which is great. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the, the knowledge bank we've got, a green room from being around for a long time in this digital space, uh, yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff that you probably... Well, I think the coolest thing about what we do is that, you know, you can think of these ideas and, and usually there's a way that we've either thought about it before and have started to build out a framework of how it could mm. be done. And I think that's a it's a really exciting place to be where we can come in with some sort of fresh, new, engaging ideas that are really, de- and the main thing is delivering sort of value and delivering return on investment where we're not just doing something for the sake of headlines, we're doing it for the sake of your financial bottom line's actually going to be improved by doing this as well. So you're getting something that's interactive, you're getting something that's engaging, but you're seeing on the on the tail end of it as well, actual financial gain, which is massive. Yeah. Amazing. Justin, it's been awesome to hear all the ins and outs of working in an agency, particularly one that's so like tech heavy. Uh, final question for you. If you could go back to university and talk to your younger self who might be in need of some career direction help and might have considered working in an agency but didn't really know what goes on inside, what advice would you give to your younger self? My younger self to working in an agency, I think probably open your eyes to a bit more of, of those sort of options as well. I think when you're, and I think I even mentioned this on the first time I was on the podcast, but I was very tunnel vision of wanting to work on the right side of side. I wanted to work in club land. I wanted to work in data that just seemed like that was the the thing that I, was, I wanted to do. But sports business, there's so many opportunities from a data perspective that you can still get stuck into. You're still working in sport. You're less actually driven by the team performance as well, which is quite nice. I think there's a, mm. there's obviously a lot of pressure on performance roles on the on the team side but if you're in that business side there's often a bit more leeway in terms of you you you're going in there you're doing your job you're sort of getting results but you're not as much worried about the on-field performance so probably focusing a bit more on the the sport business side of, of data is something that yeah i wish i'd yeah i would tell myself that yeah definitely have a look at that i mean i've ended up that way anyway but you know try and i guess steer myself towards that even more Nice. 
Well, mate, it's uh, it's been fantastic having you back on. We really appreciate you coming in and and hearing all about Green Room Digital. We've we've been working with you guys sort of on the side for the last eighteen months or so, and it's been great. So, to getting to know yourself, and we won't say his name again, River, maybe. Uh, but um, no, and just hearing some of your your journey from from when you started until where you are now, and some of these projects you're working on are just simply awesome. So, um, it's great to have you in, and I'm sure all those listening would have got a lot out today. So, I really appreciate it again. No worries. Thanks, guys. Love to, yeah, great to be on. We'll see you for round three. I think we might have to wait a little while. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Guys, it's time now for the People's Segment, Ask Sports Grab, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grab member at our website, sportsgrab.com.au slash community. And then you can add your question to the channel, Ask Sports Grad. Now, Rubes, this question comes from Ellie. Uh, and she says, I've just lined up a Zoom call with a podcast guest, tick, but I'm super, super nervous. How should I approach the call? Great question. Mm. Yeah, this was a wonderful message to receive. And um, we've anonymized the podcast guest, but um, it is a great hack for those people who are looking to grow their connections in sport, if you simply listen to a sports grad podcast episode and then message the guest with something interesting that you learned from their episode, they are like a thousand times more likely to respond to you. So um, they love helping people. They love knowing that people listen to their episode and, and have learned something from them. So um, it's a great way to, uh, to get some connection with uh, some really high quality people. But so Ellie, how do you prepare for this? Um, Thankfully, Ellie is a member, so she's got direct access to this. But we created a networking cheat sheet template to help people prepare for networking situations like this. And so if you're a member, you can go to the resource hub, download it, pull it up. Every time you go to a meeting, you don't need to remember, oh, how do I prepare for this again? Mm. It's got all the prompts there. You just simply fill it out in five minutes. But I'll walk you through some of the steps at the moment. Basically, to help you prepare for it, and calm your nerves. The thing that calms your nerves the most is uh, knowing that you're prepared for it, knowing that you are going in there with a clear intention, knowing what you're going to say. I think one of the things that is most anxiety inducing about networking is, shit, what if I run out of things to say and this person thinks I'm an idiot? Well, if you go in there doing the proper preparation, that will never happen. So the way to do that is, firstly, if you've got a bit of paper there, write down what's your goal. You know, why are you networking with this person? Is it to uh, get a job in a particular sport? Is it to learn more about a particular function within sport? If you have that goal in mind, that reason, why in mind, then that will help you motiv- keep you motivated. Then you want to um, do your research on the, the person. So I would simply look them up on LinkedIn and have a look at their history and see if they have any common ground with you. For example, did they go to the same university as you? Are they from the same town as you? Uh, one random thing that myself and podcast guest Tom Hickey from Brisbane 2032 found out is that we played for the same junior cricket club but never crossed paths, and that became a great talking point. So uh, if you can find out information about them beforehand and find some Uh, common ground that is a great icebreaker for when you arrive then once you've done that then you want to start listing out what do i actually want from this person 
So just jot down maybe three things that you want to gain out of this chat. So for example, um, uh, Ellie, who is uh, about to graduate, she might want to um, she might want to learn more about uh, commercial partnerships in sport, or she might want to build a connection in the NBL, or she might want a connection to someone else in event management off the back of this chat. So if you actually know what mm. you want from it, then that can direct where you take the conversation. On the flip side, to make sure it's a two-way street and you know you're not just taking um, and not giving anything in return, you want to kind of assume what does the other person want, and it doesn't have to be um, absolutely spot on. You got to you got to guess, but you just might want to assume that all right, this person just wants to give back, pay it forward. That will help them feel good. Uh, they might just want a seamless interaction. So what can I do to make it as easy as possible for them? They might just want me to rock up on time and, and share my career goals so that I, they can actually help me in a in a reasonable way. So once you've got what you want and what they want, then you can start to form a bit of an agenda in your mind. And if you know that like, all right, I want to learn more about this particular function in sports. So you might divert the question towards that and say, uh, sorry, one thing I really want to ask about was, um, can you tell me more about um, event presentation in AFL? Like what, what happens at the start of the game? How, how does that happen from a behind the scenes point of view? Can you tell me more about that? And in, that might lead you to say, awesome, thanks for that. Um, is there anyone else at your organization who I should talk to who would be good to learn about um, you know, the integrity side of sport or the broadcast side of sport? And mm. they might say, yep, let me connect you to this. But unless you have those outcomes you know, clearly identified and articulated before you arrive, then you know, it could fall flat. It could be a waste of 45 minutes of your time and that makes you nervous and that just leads you to spiraling out of control. So yep. well done to you, Ellie, for... Um, uh, landing this uh, Zoom call. Go forth and uh, download that cheat sheet off the, the resource hub, fill it out, and um, you'll be able to walk into that feeling uh, as confident as ever. Brilliant. Comprehensive as per usual. And uh, yeah, great work, Ellie, getting that uh, that Zoom call. That person, they are anonymous, but is outstanding. <laughs> so uh, So good luck with that. Uh, if you'd like to ask us a question or our friends in sport a question, as we've said, just become a SportsGrab member. Each fortnight, as Rube said before, we've got events such as speed networking, job fairs, we've got meetups, all sorts of events that you can meet industry professionals and ask any of those questions that are burning for you. So jump in, get involved. Uh, there's lots of content recorded. There's all sorts of things for you that is going to help your career and the biggest thing of all, you can meet other like-minded people in the industry as well. So find us on LinkedIn. Give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify and grab your meetup ticket if you are in Sydney. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. One last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.